want some dessert? Are you feeling like having some dessert? I'm feeling a little hungry. Yeah. Let's, let's raid the fridge. Let's raid the fridge. Let's, let's see what's in there. See if there's any uh, fluffernutter in there. Any uh, some Nutella. Some, some cool uh, whip. Ready whip. <laughs> some mayonnaise. People some, don't know uh, what we're talking about, but they well, will. They will. They will soon. How they are you? Will I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You're I'm, drinking I'm, beer. I'm drink- a- oh, it says beer on it, doesn't it? Good. It says beer on it. Otherwise, you, I wouldn't know what it was. You look like a contestant on some kind of cheap squid game situation. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to make beer come out of my nose. Um, are you looking, are you facing an orange wall? I, you know, I don't know what, no, I'm not. And I don't know what makes me so orange all the time. It's something with my, uh, maybe, maybe it's a liver condition. It's just that California lifestyle. Yeah, that's what it is. And running around um, on the beach. Yeah. It's good. I probably even sound orange on the podcast. Um, um, no, you sound, uh, cool, you know, cool blue. It's cool blue on oh, the yeah. audio. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'm going to start talking like this. I'm going to start giving my, my friend Jack Daniel, voiceover king, a uh, run for his money by talking like this. How's the voiceovers going? The voiceovers are going great in my memory. I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember those days fondly, fondly. Remember having auditions and and going to places. Yeah, but I'll tell you something. Something interesting happened uh, the past couple of days. I had to do this thing where um, people sent me. Um, uh, things with like different names and words on them. And I had to learn them and, and, and photograph myself or film myself saying these words, Mm -hmm. um, to send in for different, I guess they hire you for something. It sounds like some kind of strange alien hybrid program. It was, it was really weird. (laughs) But it was interesting. A couple of self self tapes, nice self tapes the past Uh week. And, you know, what's interesting is my, my feeling about them has shifted so much that um, I used to resent it and get so angry that, you know, self-taping, having to having to set up the equipment, having to do the audition by myself, having to find somebody to read with me. Um, in, but now, you know, instead of getting in the car and battling traffic for an hour and a half and sitting in a waiting room for a half an hour. Yeah. And then going into the audition and feeling like I blew it maybe. Um, and now that I sort of have the, the setup for self taping that it doesn't take me forever to set it up. If I can't get somebody to read with me, I get somebody on FaceTime. It sounds like they're there. The casting director's not going to know the difference. And I'm done with my audition in a half an hour. I don't have to leave the house. And they're getting the take I want them to get. I mean, I'm never I'm never sending off the tape and saying, damn it, I, I blew that take. Wish I had another chance. Um, but there is a lot that I miss, too. You know, I miss going into the room and maybe bumping into somebody. Well, it's all about the ancillary stuff that happens when you go to an audition. Yeah, yeah it's bumping into somebody. It's hearing about a job from somebody else. You know, it's having lunch with the gang of like yeah. curmudgeonly actors. 
Yeah, it's bumping into Michael Gambon and saying, "Hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. You want to get? A, you want to go over to uh, the Apple Pan and get a burger?" Yeah, you or don't get to do that. Anymore. God forbid we mention the Hotel Edison Cafe. Oh my God, those were the days, huh? And the table. Remember the table of guys? Of course I do. Yeah. Matzo ball soup all around. Yep. Marty Shakar of uh, of um, Saturday Night Fever fame. Danny Aiello, not Danny Aiello, but somebody <laughs> very much like Danny. I know who you're talking. I know, who, you know you're- who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking. Actor studio, the actor studio Sam guy. Coppola. Sam Coppola. Sam Coppola, exactly. Sam Coppola. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah. Yeah, Hotel Edison. Yeah. It was for those of you listening, uh, don't know what it is. It's not there anymore. It's not. But it used no, to be it, a, it used to be a real old style like forty style cafe in a in a really old kind of you know hotel in Midtown New York. So it all had a kind of a uh, in the Broadway area, and and all the uh, producers and actors would show up there for lunch. It was very Barton Fink. Yeah. Yep. Um, Before Barton, you know, goes to L.A. Manny Eisenberg was there having lunch all the time. You could meet him. Yeah. Uh, the rabbi was there sometimes too who's you know, the rabbi the 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 comedian um and and i i have early onset alzheimer's uh you know the comedian talk uh, he, uh there's no bigger schmuck in the world than a jew with a boat oh um oh you're going way back you know who i'm talking about um he used I don't know, to, Mort Saul? I don't know. No, man. no, not that. The, the 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 guy who seemed like he was from the old days, but he was around now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Oh, there's something wrong with me, but I can't remember him. But he was also a rabbi. He was actually a real-life rabbi. Was he? Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, one time I was in the Hotel Edison in the lobby. Nobody ever stays at the Hotel Edison, no, just no, to make it clear. for lunch, yeah. Um, oh, somebody made a comment. I'll bet they're saying who they were. Jackie Mason. That's a Jackie Mason was there all the time for lunch. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that, I, I wasn't quite getting the, the Jackie Mason um, impression. But I was in the lobby of the Hotel Edison once thinking about going in and getting a bowl of the soup because they had the great soup specials. And my, my phone rang and I, I answered my phone. Hello. And it was dad. It was dad calling to see if I wanted to meet up for lunch. I was like, yeah, that, that sounds good. You, you want to meet for lunch? Where, where are you? I mean, I'm in the lobby of the Hotel Edison. Where are you? I'm in the lobby of the Hotel Edison. <laughs> and we turned around and there, there, there we were. That's we were amazing. about six feet away from each other when he called me. <laughs> That's the thing about New York when, when well, when I used to live there um, yeah. way back in the day. It's amazing how many people you would run into in the city of that many people. Yeah. It, it really kind of is crazy because you just run into people all the time. I guess you're just running in the same circles and you don't really know it. And there's only so many right. places you're all going to go. You're in your lane. You're, everybody's yeah. in their lane in New York. In L.A., I've been here for 11. I, I go back to New York. I come back to New York for the holidays to see you and mom and, and the kids and everybody I get off the plane, I bump into somebody I know in about 15 minutes. Yeah. In LA, I bump into somebody I know somewhere once every seven and a half years. You bump right. Into <laughs> that was my experience too. You just don't really run into people. Yeah. I guess if you're a working actor in LA, 
which I've never experienced. <laughs> maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you maybe do. Maybe it's just me. It's quite possible, possibly just me. Well, you know, as I said, people, you, you run in lanes, and I think you actually have your own lane. I I, I feel like I'm in an empty bowling alley right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Um. Uh, well, you know, interesting. We're talking about our lanes and acting and auditioning, and this, this you know, there's. I'm one degree of separation away from this movie in, in a very special way. The movie that we're oh, going to talk about tonight. Okay. I want to yeah. hear about that. I've worked with a couple of people in this movie too. Um, yeah, we have some history here, yeah. which is cool. For those of you who are, who, who are tuning in and don't know, and you wouldn't know it from the past uh, nine minutes of the show, this is a, a, a show about movies. We talk about movies on this show, even though we haven't been. We've been talking about la and and a historical artifact called voiceover yeah um we we know we go off topic sometimes but then we kind of steer back into it like i think we're gonna do now we're gonna do that now we're gonna talk unless you you have stuff that you want to discuss uh no i didn't see anything uh new this week i subscribed to britbox this week and started watching the most recent season of line of duty which is I love, but it's not something that is in the uh, the gestalt of this show. So uh, we don't need. Well, to we don't cover that. television shows. We don't cut. Co- oh. Well, we talked about Squid Game. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Well, I mean. Oh we no! I mean, we, I, okay. You can bring it up, sure, but we're yeah. not gonna like. We're not cover gonna talk it. About okay, it. I got you. Yeah, uh, just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, did we talk about did we no, cover Squid closest, Game and I forgot the it? The closest we came to talking about a TV show was Trilogy of Terror, which was originally a TV movie. That's right. Yeah. But it was worthy. Um, yeah, heck yeah. So uh, did you see any, like, did you do any Halloween movies? Did you watch anything other than for our show? No. Halloween. Halloween was last week. There was a Halloween I didn't know that there was a Halloween. There was nothing in my building. No children. It was pretty scary. It was it was actually scary how Halloween like it was. It was like a horror movie where about a holiday that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen, and everybody doesn't expect it not to happen. Yeah. And there are no children. Yeah. That's what it was like. Um, okay. Well, that's too bad, you know. I mean, just because other people aren't enjoying it doesn't mean that you can't. No, did you did you dress up? Did you do anything? I didn't dress up, but I did. I was on Candy Patrol, and um, I was uh, up in you know at Mom's. We went. Oh, up that's to right. You had you went to like the real house. Halloween Land. And I'll I'll tell you, it was crazy. I mean, there's so many kids go to that town. It's unbelievable. Wasn't I? I things have changed since I've been trick or treat. I've been trick or treating. They've just changed. <laughs> yeah. Also, I've been in New York for so long that, you know, we don't really do Halloween here. It's adult Halloween. Yeah. You know, no, it's after um, hours Halloween here. Up there in Katona, it's a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween town. It it's, literally it's, looks, yeah, it looks like a Wes Craven movie. It's insane. Yeah. And it and it turned out um, that it's like it, it, people come from all over Westchester to go to Katona. Yeah. It's amazing. Because people are nice there, and there are yeah. porches. There are lots of porches. Yeah, and so yeah. there's hundreds of hundreds of people. 
Wow. Um, um, so any, that was any fun. great costumes showing up? Yeah, there was great. There was great stuff. There was a a, a, a little kid, probably th- three or four, clearly his first, and he was in a he was in a Knights of the Realm uh, costume, which I thought was great. And I also saw a lot of parents dressing up this year. So like they'd go trick or treating with their kids, and they were in costumes too. Really? And sometimes the whole family had a theme going, and the best of the night was there was a little kid, a little five year old kid, tiny. And he was dressed as a, a, a policeman, perfect uniform, little badge, little Billy club, everything. I can see it coming. And his mom was wearing an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> awesome. That said prisoner on the back of it. And he had her hand and was and she was walking him for Halloween, but it looked like he was taking the prisoner to the jail. It was it was hysterical. That's terrific. That's really lovely. Yeah. I like that. Um Okay, well, people are probably getting antsy. They want to hear about. Oh, they want to hear. They don't want to hear about us. They want to hear about the stuff. Yeah. So the stuff. So you saw this movie before. I didn't. Okay, so this was the first time you. But you'd seen other Larry Cohen movies. I had seen one Larry Cohen movie. And if you say Carrie, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lose my mind. (laughs) No, it wasn't (laughs) Carrie. It was Hellraiser. No, um, <laughs> no, it was uh, Q. Q. Okay. Q. So not only Which another Larry one of Cohen my movie. Moments in movie history in Q. I bet I know what it is. What is it? He's gonna eat him. He eat, him. Eat, eat him. Eat him. Eat him. Eat him. Eat him. Michael Moriarty just just knocking it out of the park in yeah. two of the two of the most ridiculous movies ever made. He commits yeah. completely. Yeah, and he came back for more. That's the amazing. That's the big stunt in this whole conversation is how, in God's green earth, did Larry Cohen get him to come back again? Yeah, yeah, because wow. we know somebody. We know somebody who I don't. I think might not have worked with Larry Cohen a second time if he was asked to. We do know somebody. Who, yeah. <laughs> There, there's a, there's a few people on that list. I think he's not known for the, uh, like the same ensemble movie to movie. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He has not to like go Cassie back. Betty. Yeah, no, not no. Like he, no, or... no one's, no one's going, dying to work with him or trying to clear their schedule for whenever he's shooting his next movie. Yeah. No, they, they, they. It's, 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 it's. Getting an offer from Larry Cohen must have been like a, a reckoning in your in one's life. Yeah. Well, so tell us, tell us what this movie is about. This movie is, um, this is one of uh, Larry Cohen's specialty social commentary, cheapo exploitation horror movies, um, with heavy social messaging in it. Yes. Um, much to, you know, much to its credit and, and much to my dismay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) at yeah. the same time um it's about a uh it's about a new uh kind of junk food uh a new food product that is discovered let's say we'll get into how um but it's discovered kind of like a yogurt culture thing but it's sweet kind of like whipped cream or something yeah and they discover it and they market it they mass market it but there's something wrong with it um, and one of the uh, one of the main characters is a little boy, who we follow in his exploits, 
uh, he he's onto it. He sees that the stuff that his family just can't get enough of, and they 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 watch commercials about it, and they eat it all day long, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, he he sees it moving in the refrigerator one night, and he knows it's alive and it's no good, so he won't eat it. And the other part of the movie is um, the great Michael Moriarty is uh, plays um, what is, what's his name? What, who does he call himself? Uh, uh, Mo. Mo. Mo Rutherford. Mo Rutherford. Because every time he he, he people meet him, they always want Mo. Right. So and he's every this, time somebody gives him money, he always wants Mo. He's this kind of southern, you know, uh, uh, rich guy. guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Which it seems very well researched. Yeah. I got the feeling this was all how it, how it goes. How down. it really goes, because he's hired by the competitors of the stuff to figure out how the people who make this stuff are making the stuff because they're wiping us out. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a mystery ingredient. Like they won't, no one will divulge the secret formula or the ingredients of the stuff. Um, to give you an idea of the kind of movie we're dealing with, um, I would say a, a fifth of the movie maybe is jingles and commercials for the stuff. Yeah, There's it's a, lot, it's of a lot of commercials, kind of yeah. a la Putney Swope, which I. I thought was kind of the funniest part of this movie in a lot of ways was the with um with uh Brooke Adams and Abe Vigoda appearing in two of those commercials for the stuff. How do the, how did these things happen, Matthew? I think it it had to have been blackmail. How does it happen that these people he gets them? How does he get them? How did he do it? I don't know. How how is dad? I, 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 in a I, movie that he directed, how is Paul Servino there? How, well, we know how we know why Dad was in it. All right, um, well that's true. We do, but Paul, but if Paul Servino doesn't have that excuse. Mira Paul wasn't Servino, in this movie. No, for Danny Aiello though, this was a step up. Um, well, <laughs> not Dan Danny Aiello would do anything you asked him to do. He he just worked. He just needed yeah. to work, and he worked all the time. And yeah. And uh, he always took his work seriously. And um, he always, uh, I remember uh, when when uh, I met him, we worked with him briefly. Was it the same thing that we, how do you know, how did you know Danny Aiello? Um, well, I, I met him on um, on uh, uh, Choo Choo and the Philly Flash. Okay, yeah, me too. And, but um, but then I when I was in, living my my other life, in law school i i moved in in the same and i was trying not to be in law school and i was hanging out with all my actor friends in new york i moved in somewhat the same circles as he did hanging out at cafe central and i knew paulie and and that whole all right that whole that whole gang only thing i remember about danny aiello was that there is no bigger fan of danny aiello's work than danny aiello was Oh, Danny, well, I, Danny Aiello was was uh, and he he had no problem promoting himself and his talents. No. In a way, I I I wish I had a tenth of that. And he'd bump into you on the street and he'd talk about, I, "Have you seen this movie? I am so fucking good in this movie." <laughs> I remember that. He, he, he cornered me once. I was walking down Columbus Avenue and he was sitting outside, and he he asked me to sit down because he had to give a speech at an awards dinner. 
and he wanted me to listen to this draft of the speech he was going to give because he was trying to write something really moving and he read the speech for me and and actually got the tears going at the table outside wow. on the street on Columbus Avenue having lunch did the whole performance of the speech and then was like how is that is it good was it too much with the tea you know wow. like, oh okay wow there you go committed man he was committed yeah. so great but he was sweet too at the same oh he was time. great guy he was really sweet oh yeah no he was just he's just he had so much energy i just remember him being like this incredibly robust guy um, you know, sadly, recently died. Died in um, seeing in 2019. I knew it was recently, but not yeah, that yeah. recently. Sad. Um, Sad. So anyway, all these people show up in this movie, including other amazing people like, you know, Garrett Morris and Andrea Marcovici and, and it's, you know, Eric Patrick O'Neill and... <laughs> and A and great, the, great performance by Eric Bogosian. Sadly, sadly... I was like going, oh, it's Eric Bogosian's first movie, clearly, and it's not. Yeah. He started. No. Can you imagine starting below below this movie? There were movies before this. Actually, I can. I can imagine yeah. doing movies worse than this. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> worse than this, but in his part smaller than this. Like, no, you know, that's the no, thing. I did, a, like, movie, I did I, a movie worse than this, but had a great part in it. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Um, uh, but Garrett Morris, man, <laughs> swinging for the fences. Well, the man, he's great, but he's also deeply confused here because I don't think his agent prepared him. I, what I, from what I've read, he came out of this movie uh, feeling rather confused and a, and a little bit abused by the whole thing. <laughs> And he was Why? like, there's because no... His because his character's name is Chocolate Chip Charlie? Well, I don't know if that was in the script or not. I'm sure he, I'm sure he, uh, you know... I don't know what he thought of that, to be honest. But I do know that he apparently um, said this was the most disorganized, chaotic experience of his life. And he couldn't believe it. Well, and then he was And I was like, I believe it. I've seen Larry about... Cohen movies. Yeah. He was asked on a talk show about working with Larry, Larry Cohen, and his response was that my mother always told me if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, don't say anything. <laughs> and then he didn't say anything. <laughs> if you don't know who we're talking about, Larry Cohen is um, he's a he's a real icon. He um, he was a kind of a grindhouse in, indie filmmaker from the late '60s and '70s in New York, and um, he was. Big, big time part of the black exploitation movement in the in the early days. I think he wrote and directed Black Caesar, um, and uh, went on to write and direct a, a, a cavalcade of really, really cheapo, um, really ridiculous horror movies that are kind of great and and amazing because they're so bad, but also always have one or two things in them that are kind of great and that you think are better than it's the kind of movie that when it's in that the fact it's in focus is a surprise yeah that's pretty well is... shot and you know competently enough made and you're just like this shouldn't even be in focus no and it's also it i do have to say it was lit worse than any movie i've ever seen in my entire life 
Well, you can find worse lighting, but it's pretty rough. It's it's just basically they had two lights, you know, and one of them was and one of them was broken. <laughs> Everything is flat. Everything yeah. is flat. Yeah. Bright and flat, and uh, and there are a couple of shots. Um, there's there's a shot. Um, the, well, there's the lighting on the dad though. They do something creative when the dad is talking about uh, Jason. He's talking about the stuff and organisms. And they do a sort of bright light on him. Yeah. Um, but then there's a shot when um, when Michael Moriarty goes to visit Danny Aiello. There's a shot of like Danny Aiello and the dog and Michael Moriarty's legs. <laughs> like who framed this I, shot? It, it's incredible. I remember that shot. And then it, it the next shot is another really funny shot, which is. I get the feeling because Danny Ayala was there and they had like probably a whole day at that because it was in a in an estate somewhere. Right. And it was supposed to be Danny Ayala's house and he was supposed to be what, the Surgeon General or something? What was he? The head of the Food and Drug Administration or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, so he's this rich guy and he lives in a fancy place with this big guard dog. And number one, Danny Ayala doesn't seem the type to have a giant guard dog like that. It didn't seem like, you know... I, that he was comfortable at all, even though he was supposed to be uncomfortable. It seemed like he was already uncomfortable. And there's a tracking shot that they they just like, well, we got track. We should we got a yellow, so we should it. probably use this track. And they, and they just do this semicircle around his legs. So they have this shot of his legs, and then they go to the other side of the room, and then they track around and go back to his legs again. You're like, yeah. why? Uh, Bet Bowles just made a comment, and I want to thank her because she she jumped the gun a little bit. This is something I wanted to bring up, but uh, she says thanks so much, so thanks for making me watch this for what it was. But the best character in this movie <laughs> is Michael Moriarty's toupee. And uh, truer yeah, words were never spoken. That's that's in my notes. It's, it's been said before, words. but this is a tarantula on his head. <laughs> it's it literally. It's a different color than his hair. And it's I've never seen anything like that in a movie. The only thing I've seen like it is in on, a, on Christopher Walken's head sometimes. And I, <laughs> that was when I was like, why haven't they played brothers in something? <clears throat> or, you know, okay, do you know who I realized Michael Moriarty is uh, the uh, undiscovered stepbrother of John Voight? I think they were hit in the head by the same bat <laughs> that turned them into sort of like slightly, slightly dazed right wing nut jobs. Um, I, uh, is that true about more? I mean, I, you know, yeah, I don't, Moriarty, now we're getting political and disparaging on the show at all at once. And I don't know, I'm not comfortable with that. Moriarty got a little, went a little off the rails. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I knew he was an eccentric guy, and and um, I just thought he was like, kind of a method actor who freaked people out. He freaked me out one day. On oh, you on, worked with him. I worked with him for one day on Law and Order. You worked with him for one day, and he freaked you out. Well, he, he, in 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 a in a in a a rehearsal, um, I I had a role uh, that was really kind of boring. Um, I was playing a. Um, a uh, 
uh, a genetics expert witness. And uh, when I got cross-examined by him, he, he takes me down a peg, but there wasn't really anything that interesting about the scene. So I decided to laugh a little bit at one of his questions, slightly dismissively, just a little, not, not laughing, but just kind of like be a little derisive in my response to one of his questions. And he asked the question and started to turn away. And as I answered it, I kind of was like, well, you know, <laughs> and he turned around and for the rest of the scene just came after me in a fury. And I thought, uh oh, I kind of screwed up. I crossed the line. But as soon as they called cut, he relaxed and he said, that was really great. Keep that. Keep that. It, 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 bring, it gives me something to do. You know, which was wow. which was nice. When you know? he wasn't pointing at you and talking to the director when he said, "Keep that." <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just want to clarify. <laughs> no, um, but it was you know, it's always nice when you're work when you've got one little tiny scene with somebody and you can actually yeah. get something going with them. I I love that. That's so cool. It happens very rarely. Yeah. But when it does, it's nice. I had that. And with I was so excited to work with him because I thought he was spectacular on that show. I remember him as being good, but I don't remember that show. I, I it was always kind of on somewhere, and you just it's kind still of still always kind of. I know it's always you're just kind of kind of aware of it, even when it's not playing. It's playing yeah. somewhere. It's background music at this point. Yeah, um, I had that experience with uh, with Chris Noth on on a show. And um, I never met the guy before. I, you know, don't. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical of working with celebrities because you're like, oh, what's the, what are they gonna? Are they gonna be there for your coverage? Are they gonna be nice? Are they gonna be? Not usually pretty nice. And he, um, he, he totally hooked me up. He helped me out. Yeah. He's like, set up a little moment. Don't bite your lips. I'm telling a nice story. No, I'm thinking about my Chris Noth story and wondering if I can tell it on the air. Oh, probably not. If you're thinking, if you if you're even thinking about it, you probably what shouldn't. He did, what he did to me before a take on Law and Order, like now, would get somebody in trouble. Oh, okay. Don't get him in trouble. No, it made me laugh at the time, but uh -huh. um, it was it was something incredibly inappropriate, uh, which which you know me, I appreciated it. Uh, yeah. I like inappropriate. Well, things. he knows the you know he played the room. He knew he knew he knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, anyway. And Paul Servino. It was a scene with Chris Noth and Paul Servino. This is weird how this is coming full circle. But Larry oh, yeah. Cohen can, touches so many lives. <laughs> yeah. He now, really what does. are your connections? So you have Larry Cohen connections. What are all of your Larry Cohen the connections? The first movie I was movie? in was a Larry Cohen movie. Full Moon High? Full Moon High. Oh, my God. Now... I think I had been in one other thing that got cut at, like the little scene got cut, but, and I made, I was an extra in some things, mm -hmm. but I had the first line of dialogue in something, uh, in, in a Larry Cohen movie. And, um, I was, I'm very proud of that. I know that, I know that our other brother isn't quite as proud maybe as I am of that credit. Um, I think he should be, I love that movie. I think it's a piece of, of great film history. I guess I have to see it at some point. You've never seen it. You've I've, never seen Full Moon High. I've never seen Full Moon High. Wow. We'll, we'll have to change person. that. 
Okay. Well, no, I think probably you signed some kind of a contract with Adam that you did. I know I just broke that contract. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to see it. Or certainly not talk about it on the air. No. Yeah. Um, All right. But and I, what other connections? You have other connections to him through this movie. Um, well, there is. Um, are there other connections? There's Aiello. And uh, I'm a Eric Bogosian fan. I don't know what else. Aiello. Um, well, this is a connection, but I used to go to O'Neill's Balloon and have a burger and a beer which was owned by Patrick O'Neill. That doesn't count, does it? Eating. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening right now. (laughs) O'Neill's Balloon was across from Lincoln Center, and it was a restaurant bar. What does it have to do with this? Patrick O'Neill owned it. Oh, okay. And Patrick O'Neill was in this movie. So I ate a burger and had a beer in a bar owned by somebody in this movie. I I can say the same thing. I probably did that at one point, but it was not as memorable experience for me. (laughs) It really wasn't. Um, (laughs) So you'd see, you know, have you, you saw Q, so you kind of knew what you were in for here. This is, um, this I feel is a step down from Q. Yeah, I think it's a big, I mean, Q was was a passable movie of a of a sort. This it's, this is is like bad high school people running around with a camera. Well, it's also danger time for me when when a movie that's already just because of how it's made and the the the, the nature of its subject matter is um, is teetering into high camp anyway and then when filmmakers make the brilliant mistake of leaning into that and kind of making it making it campy on purpose at the same time right it's i can't i really that's really bothers me so that this was there was a lot of that in this movie it didn't really know like q commits to being a monster movie right it's just a monster movie and it's just fun how low budget it is yeah but this has kind of like got some stuff in it where it feels like Larry Cohen thinks he's Mel Brooks for a few minutes. Yep. And and I let me let me tell you, he's a lot of things. <laughs> he's, he's not, not Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. And he's also he's like I'm gonna be Mel Brooks. I'm gonna make a monster movie, and there's gonna be social commentary in this. A lot, a lot of it. I mean, environmental health conscious commentary. Yeah, and and you know, kind of anti corporate anti you know monsanto vibes which you know look i'm all for that that's great um but the mashup is uh is kind of pulpy it doesn't work okay let let, let's give the movie its due (laughs) though there i want to i want to address some things seriously as if these were like they were actually really making a movie yeah and let's let's talk about some things in the script um the kid his parents get taken over by the stuff, right? Which makes them bad people and the kid realizes something's wrong with mom and dad. But here's my problem. His mom and dad, before they eat the stuff and get taken over by the bad stuff, are the worst parents anybody has ever had. So you would be happy if they turned into pod people. That would be a step up. I mean, his father gives him a spanking for being awake in the middle of the night and trying to get a snack because he's hungry. 
Aren't they already eating the stuff, though? I, I, I get, but I don't think they've been really like taken over by it. Um, but yes, you're right. They have already started eating it, but they hadn't gotten weird and woo woo. Well, what you're saying is we should be given a chance to see what they're like before the stuff takes over their minds. Right. Um, they're horrible people. And then they get, and then they get horrible in a different way. Oh, Danny, you come join us. Eat well, the stuff. Yeah, then it turns full, you know, invasion of the body snatchers, yeah. invaders from Mars. Um, the, uh, and, um, and then in the, uh, here's another thing I don't understand. In the scene where the parents, like, are going to force him to eat the stuff, he says, like, okay, oh, yes, I want some. And he runs away. He goes away with it, goes upstairs. Yeah. And fills up a cup, dumps out the stuff, and fills up a cup with shaving cream and comes down and starts eating that instead. And I I had some trouble with that. I can't picture somebody actually eating a cup full of menthol shaving. Like, wouldn't that just kill you? Or make you vomit. I mean, how, how does he do that? Well, I mean, to the movie's credit, he does run off and get sick. He he doesn't. Um, oh, that's like it. right. Um, it's in the details. You have to really, uh. really watch this film deeply. <laughs> uh, you have to really get with it, and then it starts to really kind of open up like a the bouquet of a fine wine. Okay. Then I have another question. In the scene where. Andrea Markovici or Markovici, however you pronounce her name, and and uh, and our hero are sharing a hotel room, and he the the stuff comes in and attacks, and it gets all over his face. It's stuck on his face. <laughs> Her idea of how to get it off it's the his best, face the is best, set his head on fire. It. It's the best. And I, and I love how slowly she does it. She's like, oh, I got it. I got it. I got a plan. And she goes over and she, she does it like, she, they, have, they have like a, what, an oil wick candle or something like, yeah. a, you know, an oil lamp. And which, you know, every motel room has sitting at, on the bedside, right? Of course. Why and wouldn't she, you? she, she, you know, she takes it apart and she's like, pours it gently, like it's salad dressing over his <laughs> face as he's screaming. And then she lights his head on fire. <laughs> Remind me never, ever to get stuck in an emergency with her. Yeah. Okay, but then not only does she light his head on fire, but in the logic of this movie, it works. It does. It turns his head into a giant toasted marshmallow and somehow it saves his life. It does, because well, the, th- the 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 stuff is like the blob, you know. It's like an amorphous blob <clears throat> creature that can, you know, apparently leap onto your face, and then you think yeah. it get burned, and I think it just jumps off. They okay, built but... an entire rotating set for that sequence. That's no, what you know where that set came from. That was the room from um, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, they use the same one. They used the same room. I'm surprised that they were 
that that where is that room? I'm assuming in Hollywood, no? Yeah, or or maybe it wasn't the room, but maybe uh, I read that it was the room, but maybe it was like the mechanism. Maybe they redressed it or something, but maybe it was the mechanism that that did the rot maybe the rotational rotating. I'll have to look into that because I would have assumed Wes Craven would be on the West Coast doing that movie, and that the, Larry Cohen, I think, shot exclusively in on the 34th street i don't think he ever left 34th street right well maybe they were lying on on uh IMDb maybe trivia well back in that time everybody had a rotating room it yeah. was 2001 and poltergeist had one and it was that same room inception that's this is where he got the idea for inception yeah in fact I think the whole, all of Inception was mm -hmm. from watching this movie on acid. Yeah. Chris Nolan was in the UK, like watching the video nasties. And this was a, this was on. And he was like, I have my, I've mapped my future out. <laughs> Who knew that Larry Cohen was such an inspiration to him? Yeah. Um, Hard to believe. I, did you like the fact that the entire, like, you know, third act, you know, action sequence is based on Raiders of the Lost Ark? Somehow they cram that in there. <laughs> I was even for Larry Cohen. I was like, really? Wow. The the um, Paul Servino has some lines in this movie. That performance is just is beyond. It's, um, yeah. Two favorite pieces of dialogue from this movie. Give it to me. When. When uh, Michael Morati says, "You're chocolate chip Charlie," and Garrett Morris says, "Well, I sure as hell ate the Kentucky Colonel." I don't know where that came from. Um, are you saying that's your favorite line from the? I could, I didn't hear you quite. Is that your favorite <laughs> line from the movie? No, my favorite line from the movie is, and you can't believe your ears. Paul Servino saying. I will permit this colored man to speak, but speak one word of the commie party line or one word in code, and I will blow his head off. Mm. Um, yeah. How do they put that in a movie? I have no idea. How 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 does that how does the Paul Servino character own radio stations in Georgia? Why why? Well, because he's a he's an army colonel. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. I should have thought of that. <laughs> I also would like to note that apparently, you know, those take those tax breaks in the 80s in Georgia clearly yeah. were great. But the stipulation was then that you had to mention Georgia like five times in this in the screen. Oh, really? Is that how it worked? Well, well, that's what it apparently was like. They're always like, I have a play I have a radio station down in Georgia. Right. Let's go down to that facility in Georgia where it's like, you know, doesn't make a lot um, of sense. Did you know uh, that the woman in, in one of the commercials, that the woman who says, where's the stuff, was an actress named Clara Peller, who was the woman who said, where's the beef? I do know that. I recognized her immediately. Did you get the, did you get the, the joke? Because that, that implies your age. If you, if you get that joke in this movie, you are officially... Uh, like extremely old. Hey, I'm even older than that. I'm Hello Betty old. Yeah, me too. I'm actually older even than that. I'm that's a spicy meatball old. Yeah, you're 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 older than Anthony Spaghetti Day. 
Um, I'm, I am, uh, you can take Salem out of the country, but you can't take the country out of Salem old. You're so old, they used to put cocaine in, in the soda pop. Yes, yes. Um, Those were the days. So, you know, I just don't even know what to say about my favorite lines. I think my favorite line is actually Sorvino. They're, they cut to him, and he's he's got his his troops around him. Yeah. You know, his Navy SEAL troops. And he's like, they're all and, getting... Played by actual SEALs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, they're all getting into taxi cabs to go to the submission, which just gives you an idea of what we're doing here. This is the Mel Brooks part. It's like, all the, you know, they're, they're going to arrive by taxi. And he says, um, and don't forget to get cash receipts. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Bet Bowles has a great observation here. Um she says, if I may say with apologies in the hotel room when the stuff came out to kill the guy, but clearly missed the wall. So the guy, guy climbed up to walk into the stuff. Yeah, bet we, yeah, I, I saw we, one take. So you got to make it work. So we noticed that last, when, last night we saw it <coughs> and we were howling with laughter. He just literally jumps into it to save the shot. That guy's a hero. Yeah. He's a hero. Um, I love, you know, it turns out that the stuff, you know, it's kind of like a, how, it, this is something I'd almost like to start like a thing every week that we do. Okay. How, what would you pair this movie with? Like double bill, how, where would be the perfect double bill here? The perfect double bill with the stuff would maybe be, um, maybe the blob. That would be good. Um, or I'm trying to think if there are any movies about dessert. Maybe this and um, uh, Au Chocolat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Babette's Feast. Babette's Feast yeah. or uh, Tom Popo. Tom Popo would be good. <clears throat> um, I, would, or I, would, I would go with, uh, I think They Live would be a good combo oh, with this rowdy rowdy roddy rowdy roddy piper that's got some great it's kind of like they live with with uh nutella <laughs> <laughs> they live with nutella so you know there's no real point in describing the plot of this movie it is a series of accidents on on <clears throat> film uh yeah. mishaps of celluloid um, but the moments are, are great. There are yeah. great, great times to be had. Um, I have a favorite moment or I have, I have two favorite moments. Okay. Um, there's one legitimately funny moment in it. That's like just drop dead funny to me, which is the, uh, the guy who runs the post office in the small town. There's a moment where Michael, where Michael Bugardi is trying to grab a letter off of his desk, and they have a little tug of war over this letter. It's one of the. It's just. It's like out of a Preston Sturgis movie. It's absolutely hysterical. It's just a little bit of physical comedy that completely worked because they had two actors who knew what they were doing. Then my real favorite thing in the movie, though, is one close up, and you mentioned the scene, and it's when they light the dad. They're lighting the dad really weird at the dinner table. He's really far gone, and they're like the family's talking to that little kid in in like commercial speak. Yeah, which is actually kind of creepy. Like it gets the it gets a little surreal and creepy. 
And the kid's like, why are you all talking like it's in a commercial? And the stuff is making them sing its praises all the time, like they're talking about it in a commercial. Right. And then the dad finds out he's eating shaving cream because he takes the cup of shaving cream and then in close up he sticks his finger in it and he like and he and he tastes it and the expression that the disappointment and and anger on his face in that lighting is genius it's david lynch worthy well my favorite moment has to be andrea markovicki cracking her neck why does she crack her neck? She's always cracking her knuckles and her neck and her. What's happening? I don't understand. Did she? Did she not know that we could see that in the scene when she was doing I, it? I don't know. Oh, uh, no! Actually, I have a favorite moment. My here's my favorite moment. My favorite moment is when they're shooting the commercial, uh, and it's the 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 women on the catwalk. Andrea is a uh, producer of commercials for the stuff. That's how she initially connects with Michael Moriarty. Right. And the models are going down, up and down the runway for her shooting the commercial. And she's giving them direction as directors do, which means that the shot is MOS, right? So she's giving, she said, yeah, turn now, look like this, now do this. And yet at the same time, they've got a guy, a boom guy standing there with a microphone, with a big boom holding a microphone up over the models walking on the catwalk who have no lines. That is the level of thought that went yeah. into this movie. Well, the, another great thing about that scene is that they make great pains to show you a steady cam rig in the movie but they don't yeah. use it they couldn't actually rent it to use it to shoot the movie but yeah. they they show it to you how much is the steadicam it's five thousand dollars a day it's only a thousand dollars a day if you just show it but don't use it yeah okay we'll show it um you gotta love the walkie-talkie in the ice cream cart and the stuff cart that is pretty great oh yeah okay spies everywhere you know that was pretty that was pretty good um this would be a this wouldn't be a bad you know combo with um I'm trying to think with like french connection either too because they really it gets really <laughs> intense with um this case that michael moriarty's on right or yeah or uh all the president's men exactly <laughs> yeah I think the best piece of trivia I found out about this movie is that Larry Cohen, it's not even about this movie, because this movie is not, I mean, it's it's got a lot of value as a oddity, um, but it's not his finest moment. Larry Cohen directed um, Black Caesar and It's Alive at the same time. <laughs> He, he wrote and directed Black Caesar during the week and on the weekends shot It's Alive or vice versa. Now, so so who is it? Who is it? How do, how do you love movies so much and yet... <laughs> and get it so wrong. And get it so wrong. Like, what, what are you doing? Look, that's not... That's... I... I take umbrage with that a little bit. Okay. I think that love, <clears throat> love is is different than than talent or or ability. You can love things and not be talented at it, and and I think that's 
this movie is really watchable as bad as you know as bad as silly as it is as many as mistakes as they make it's pretty watchable um and that's all about you know the crazy love that larry cohen had for making movies it was in his style like ed wood loved making movies he, ed wood loved movies he loved wanted to be so good at it well i guess i have to say about this movie this was the first time i saw it and i i've noticed somewhat of a pattern with some of the movies that you really love that i will watch for the first time and i'm and i'm thinking to myself this is a piece of crap and i don't like it mm-hmm. and then i realize but I would watch it a second time and really enjoy it. <laughs> yes. And yes, that, that's so I'm true. starting to get your sort of right. th- this ethic of yours that it's because I'm coming in and saying, I'm going to watch this movie and evaluate it as as a as a work, as a serious work, as an or an attempt at a serious work. And and I feel like you come in and you say, I'm going to I'm going to watch this and have an experience. And yes. and it may be the movie may be objectively horrible and bad and poorly crafted. But that's that may be very separate from my experience watching it mm-hmm. and then watching it the second time I'm really going to enjoy everything that I know around how this train wreck happened. Yeah. I, that that's pretty apt, you know. I mean, I guess I do kind of take movies at that at that level, you know. I mean, I just, I guess I want to meet them at their at their level, like because I I don't. There's so many different kinds of movie experiences, and and you know, you could just argue that the well made part of it is just the fact, like I said, that it's in focus and it got released, and like it's a movie. Like there's a lot of movies that don't even make it there. I think that's what it says about it on Rotten Tomatoes. It's in focus. <laughs> it got released. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's better than, you know, that's better averages than trauma. <laughs> trauma movies didn't all get released in normal fashion, and they're not in focus. Yeah, and I, I should be careful about what I say about a movie like this because the the script of mine that's been optioned is, I think better craft i i would like to think it is much better crafted than this script it is but it but it owes i think what what my movie aspires to be is a very good movie that could not exist were it not for for q and trauma and all of those movies because the the joke of my movie is that it's a a good version a good take on that idea um okay so i i owe a debt to this kind of movie my my movie could not exist without this kind of movie oh absolutely i mean you're kind of like you're riffing very much on movies almost exactly like this i mean yeah if larry cohen had made a movie about similar subject matter it would be very much like your script except with a worse script and if i can't get good producers interested in in my movie i may well end up selling it to somebody like larry cohen just in an attempt to get it made i think you better you should start with bad producers like start (laughs) there um yeah you know i mean uh i i i think that it's unfair to put this like okay so this movie 
you could pair it with Invasion of the Body Snatchers because there's a very similar mm-hmm. thing going on here. Um, and it would be kind of unfair to compare them, though, because as similar as they are, you know, structurally and as many things as they're trying to maybe say that are might be similar about our society and our, you know, how people are easily kind of led into group think about stuff and you can't compare them. I mean, one, it's like one, one is a hot dog by the side of the road, by a highway somewhere. That's been run over. That's been partially run over, (laughs) but you have a bite and you're like, you know, that's not, I don't think that's going to kill me actually. (laughs) And that's a great night for some people, you know? I mean, it's just, it's a completely different, set of rules and regulations. I mean, Larry Cohen made this movie in like 40 minutes. It took him less time to shoot it than to see it. <laughs> it's a miracle. Yes. Well, that's what happens when you shoot with three cameras. You can make a movie that's longer than the actual production. Yeah. I mean, look, if all the movies that we were that we ever saw were really, really good, I think we'd like the way you're talking good, you know, like thoughtfully yeah. constructed and well thought out by professional writers and stuff like Yeah. We'd be missing so much joy in this world. Oh yeah. Know? And also if all of the movies that we critiqued on this show were well crafted movies people would just realize how little I know about what I'm talking about. Oh, we have to, yeah, we, <laughs> we have, have to, to punch it. down at things. Otherwise, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hardly. I I would love to have Larry Cohen's career. I think he's amazing. I mean, I, I know. I just think he's great. Uh, up there with the greats, like, you know, like uh, Troma and, and um, early De Palma. And De Palma. De Palma, he directed... Um... Carry right yeah that good good yeah <laughs> good good on you yeah, okay thanks. yeah well done. all right well so next week we are doing snake eyes yes which is but not the new snake eyes no on the old snake eyes from what year was it i 98? think it's 98 um Let's say ninety-eight, but it's Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes with yes, with Brian De Palma's with none other than Nicolas Cage. Snake Eyes De Palma, which is yes, that is nineteen ninety-eight with Nicolas Cage, Gary Sinise, Stan Shaw, John Hurd, Kevin Dunn, and Carla Gugino, one of my all-time faves. Um, I'm excited, and it's our yeah. first Nick Cage movie, which. Um, is an event. Yep. All right. So that might be that might be a thanks that might be a, a Thanksgiving holiday treat for everybody. Is just a run of Nick Cage movies. A run of Nick Cage movies for for Halloween. For Thanksgiving. I mean, for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We already had Halloween. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, please join us next week. Tell all of your friends and and tell your enemies too to tune in for, to our show or to listen to it on the podcast. And um, have a great week. We'll see you soon. Good night, buddy. Good night. 
You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 